Miles to Go wasn't just an ESPN miniseries about Les Miles' first year as Kansas football coach. Footage from the program is also potentially evidence in a case by former coach David Beatty, who's attempting to get paid the $3 million buyout Kansas has refused to pay because it has accused Beatty of NCAA violations. KU beat writer Jesse Newell is here today to talk about the Beatty saga and other KU topics on Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Thursday, April 30th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Later, Jesse breaks down some KU basketball scheduling news. We talk about the NCAA ruling allowing players to cash in on their name, image, and likeness. And in the end, we circle back for a final word on Beatty. So here we go with Jesse. Hey, Jesse, how you doing? Doing good, Blair. How about yourself? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. It's been a while since we've talked. So I wanted to, there's a few items that need addressing, and I wanted to start with this idea. Who'd have thought that the the next episode of Miles to Go could possibly include, uh, you know, a a, a Kansas controversy? I I want to see the first episode of season two to see if uh, Miles to Go uh, will include the uh, the practice practice footage from from the uh, the first season the controversial practice footage. Tell us about what's going on with um, uh, with KU football and, and the David Beatty lawsuit. Yeah, it's sort of a saga soap opera happening when there aren't sports happening. So it, I think it's getting a little bit more coverage now just because of that. But to sort of go back before we go forward, I just kind of want to explain because I know a lot of people. I'm I'm talking about this like everybody knows what's going on, but probably 90 or 95 percent of the people I'm talking to right now don't understand or have the backstory of what happened. So basically, going back, and we'll make this very brief. But David Beatty, um, you know, went whatever it was six and 42 with Kansas. He was fired contractually, what we call without cause. So he didn't have, um, you know things wrong with him, violations. Basically, this is what happens when you have a football coach who doesn't win. You know, Charlie Weiss, KU paid his buyout. Turner Gill, KU paid his buyout. Uh, So David Beatty had a $3 million buyout, was expected to get that. KU in exit interviews found out that there potentially were violations committed by Beatty's staff and potentially Beatty after they had fired him without cause. They alerted him that maybe that they would be investigating that and maybe fire him for cause. And, um, about a year later, they told him, yes, they were going to fire him with cause, which gave them the right to withhold his $3 million buyout. So David Beatty is suing Kansas Athletics basically for his $3 million buyout to say, hey, you don't have, uh, you, you shouldn't be able to go back and put the toothpaste back in the tube. Uh, you fired me without cause. I served my role as Kansas football coach. It might not have been successful, but you didn't have a contractual reason to not give me $3 million. Kansas says, well, if we'd have known about these violations, we would have fired you on the spot. And so, uh, yeah, there is a reason to to go back and say that you don't deserve that money. So all of this has led to um, this continuing to go on. A lot of times these cases get settled out of court just because both sides are going to have lawyer fees sort of rack up. But as this slow trickle of information has come out, we learn more and more about the KU Athletic Department. And a lot of this stuff has sort of been negative PR for Kansas athletics that they sort of try to eliminate or keep down as much as possible. But the latest thing you spoke about is that a judge ruled um, basically against Kansas athletics and said that KU athletics has to turn over practice video under less miles 
and also um, unaired footage of Miles to Go, this ESPN Plus documentary to David Beatty's lawyers as part of Discovery, which again, Discovery is, I'm learning all these things about law, but Discovery is uh, kind of gathering facts as it relates to uh, the case so that you can potentially use it in trial. Where this potentially could be dangerous for KU Athletics is if these things get brought to the light of day, for one, the unaired footage of Miles to Go, David Beatty's lawyers claim that there's some information in there, whether it was Jeff Long speaking um, on microphone or um, other administrators speaking to basically indicate that uh, the process of firing David Beatty happened way before uh, David Beatty actually was fired by Kansas on November 4th, 2018. So if that's the case, potentially David Beatty's lawyers are going to try to argue that, hey, um, you know, they say that they, they would have fired David Beatty if they learned of these violations. But actually, this was something that was in the works for a long, long time. And then the second part of this, which might be more dangerous, is the Les Miles practice footage, which we originally had a report in the Star here um, a few months ago talking about how Les Miles staff had a lot uh, appeared to have similar violations uh, of non-countable coaches coaching and practice that David Beatty was being accused of uh, as part of this lawsuit. So with David Beatty's lawyers now getting their hands on all this footage of the practice film, it potentially opens up Kansas to have a lot more violations or potential violations exposed under less miles. And if, again, if that gets made public, that could be sort of a negative PR thing for Kansas as they're trying to fight David Beatty. So I know that's me gabbing a lot, uh, but I didn't want to go back to the beginning. And right now it just kind of continues this whole process. Um, if this thing goes to trial, which I still don't expect, I still expect these two sides settled, but that would happen in February of 2021. But as of right now, I just kind of continues to be a trickle of information. And we continue to report on this as KU Athletics kind of keeps trying to defend itself here in the world of public relations and, and make sure that a lot of this stuff does not become public or does not put them in a negative light. You know, the public relations part is certainly not favoring Kansas at this point. It, with every story, it just you know, it, it, because we're hearing mostly from Beatty's camp on this, and not and not KU. KU's responded, I guess, a couple of times, but but mostly what we're hearing is from 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 Beatty's attorney. Um, there, there's so many things here, Jesse. One is um, one of the one of the things that we've heard from the Beatty camp is the um, you know the suggestion that from them that Kansas was looking for reasons to to fire him. Um, and what, take us through that. What what was the, you know, this is after Jeff Long was hired as the athletic director and, um, and, and, and of course Beatty and Long had the season together. Beatty was fired at the end of, of, uh, of, of this fourth season, uh, at, at KU. But, but then you started hearing, uh, from, from Beatty's camp that there were, Kansas was looking for reasons to fire Beatty. For, you know, to, to get out of the, to get out of the $3 million contract. Yeah. So this is sort of complicated, but a lot of what you're talking about, Blair, comes from a deposition that was made public um, and unsealed from Matt Beatty. So I know we've got multiple Beatty's here, which makes things confusing, but Matt Beatty is the former head of the Williams fund, which is the fundraising arm for KU athletics. And no relation. And let's, of, let's say that no relation, no relation. Yeah. Matt Beatty is B A T Y and David Beatty is B E A T Y. Um, Matt Beatty, uh, is no longer with KU athletics. He was asked to resign because of, uh, by Jeff Long early in his tenure. So, um, obviously that's part of the story as well, but Matt Beatty spoke about in his deposition when asked to basically say that, um, what he testified under sworn testimony was that KU did not have the money to pay David Beatty. And yes, that they were looking potentially for ways to get out of that buyout. And so part of this, 
it seems like David, um, <laughs> again, he's, he's part of a long cycle of losing for Kansas football. And he's also part of a long cycle of KU athletics trying or potentially having to pay its way out of a coach. And I just mentioned the other ones that KU did pay. KU did pay Charlie Weiss. KU did pay Turner Gill. Those guys, multiple million dollars to go away to start over with this thing. And so it is very painful when you have to pay for an outgoing staff to get rid of them and then to bring in a new staff when you feel like the previous coaching regime didn't do much in the way of wins and losses, which is the case here. But the distinction there, again, is contractually. And so KU contractually, uh, as they originally stated it, they were going to pay David Beatty his $3 million. You know, th- that was part of the buyout. They didn't have a reason contractually to fire him because him losing games is not a reason to not get his buyout. You know what I mean? If that happened across college football, nobody would ever sign a contract. Nobody would ever become a college football coach. So for them to kind of back up after the fact and say that they received word and exit interviews about a potential violation and then investigated it and then moved basically to terminate him a different way after the fact, it seems like contractually that KU is allowed to do that. But again, the questioning of whether that would really happen is something else in this case. And so, um, yeah, so that makes things like how do they treat similar violations under less miles? That makes that relevant. It, it makes it relevant how they're treating a similar um, case with violations. I mean, the notice of allegations has allegations against Bill Self with level one violations, which are even more severe. And the, the basketball program there, you know, how do they handle him compared to David Beatty? That's kind of what Beatty's team is is trying to argue here. And I know I've kind of wobbled away from your original question here, but I think um, the point of this whole thing is just kind of, um, it, it's it's interesting in that fact, which is, um, you know, yes, Beatty's team is trying to basically say, hey, this was sort of contrived. And it sort of is a big picture, important case, I think, for a lot of NCAA teams, because if you think about it, um, I'll, I'll bring up an example. And again, it's, it's sort of unfair here, but think about Danny Manning, Blair, okay? Um, we've heard reports out there that Danny Manning is leaving Wake Forest, or obviously got fired from Wake Forest, but that his buyout is around $15 million. I'm sure Wake Forest doesn't want to pay that money, but contractually, they're supposed to pay that money. So if you're John Curry, Curie, Curry, um, Curry, the former K-State, yeah. uh, Curry, John Curry, um, and you don't want to pay the $15 million, is there a way to do what KU's doing? I mean, do you go try to, to to find something that happened under Danny Manning to get him out of it contractually? And and that's sort of, um, I think that's what Beatty's legal team is, is trying to argue here, that like anybody could come up with something if they wanted to, to try to not pay the money. But, but at the bottom line is both sides signed a contract and KU should honor that contract because in the contract doesn't say that Dave Beatty had to win football games. It said he had to, to perform the job and he performed the job. So that's sort of the interesting part of this case too, which is um, if this works for KU athletics, if they are able to get back some of the money or potentially win in a trial down the line, if this will be repeated by other athletic programs out there and Danny Manning and Wake Forest seems to be one that would be ripe for the picking because I'm sure that that athletic department feels like it made a mistake and certainly doesn't want to pay a $15 million buyout. Right. So one thing that that, uh, that the Beatty camp is trying to do is is to get the uh, the accusation reclassified from a level two to a level three level three distinction because that is a that's a lesser penalty and in, in the NCAA rulebook and it's important uh, because um, because of a term called coach control 
Um, so tell us about that. How, how is that? Um, w- why is it important for the Beatty camp to have this classified as a level three and not level two violation? Well, it's really important. Um, and you're right. We're sort of getting into the weeds here, but I think it's important to explain so, so people can understand what's going on here. So if we look at the notice of allegations, I guess I should say the amended notice of allegations. There are two violations for uh, the football program under David Beatty. Basically, it was that Jeff Love, a former video coordinator for Kansas, worked with quarterbacks and uh, spearheaded meetings, which is not allowed, and that David Beatty had a coach control charge with that and should have known that that was happening under his staff, basically. So those are the two things against David Beatty. The one that got amended, which it seems like partly due to our story in the Kansas City Star uh, reporting, uh, under less miles was a level three violation. And it basically said kind of a similar thing where coaches who aren't allowed to coach football players were doing so under less miles regime, but that doesn't give a coach control charge. The David Beatty ones are level two. So it's the middle tier of the three tier system for the NCAA. So it's kind of middle tier of severity for less miles. The one under less miles tenure, it's a level three violation. Why it's so important, the distinction between level two and level three, and this is why it was in David Beatty's response to the NCAA, is level three violations do not have coach control charges. So if we are going to pin a violation directly at the feet of David Beatty here, okay, the only thing that you can get at is that he did not properly monitor his program when a video coordinator potentially was overseeing quarterback meetings. If that gets let qualify, or if that's classified as level three violation, though, then David Beatty's violation by definition should go away. It should just be a single level three violation for Kansas football. And that would be very important for the Beatty camp because basically then KU wouldn't have much of a ground to stand on to say that David Beatty committed violations. You could simply just say that one of his former video coordinator committed a violation, and that would be that. So again, it's it's sort of getting into the weeds about the distinction between those two things there. But that's the reason Beatty's team so much wants that to be uh, classified as a level three or wants the NCAA to determine that because if that actually is the case, then basically it takes the onus off of David Beatty and he could kind of be free and clear of any charges moving forward. It's not only important for him in his legal case and potentially uh, for what his fight is against Kansas, but could be important for him for uh, down the road when he's trying to get employed by uh, other schools out there because uh, all of a sudden an NCAA violation would no longer be associated with him. Well, and he has been trying to get other jobs, and he looked like he had one lined up at Texas, and, and that fell through, and there's a suggestion that it fell through. Be- well, not a suggestion. It's it's in the um- – you know, the, the Beatty camp says that um, that uh, Jeff Long got in touch with the Texas athletic director, Del Conte, and and um, and basically torpedoed the Beatty's uh, opportunity with uh, with Texas, saying that he committed a major violation and you need to be careful hiring him. Texas didn't hire him, and Beatty has not been in football since then, at least not at not at the college level. Yeah, this has basically been two full cycles now that David Beatty has not been a football coach. And I, I know that a lot of people have their feelings about David as a head football coach at Kansas and obviously did not work out with KU. But um, you could still feel like he maybe was not qualified to be a head coach at the Division One level and still believe that he could be an analyst for Texas. I mean, a lot of people are analysts or potentially be a position coach, a receivers coach. I mean, he was a receivers coach at Texas A&M before he came to Kansas. That's a pretty high profile division one job. And so uh, again, if we're kind of projecting in the future, um, what were you talking about with, with Beatty's camp? It's not only that um, Jeff Long's deposition, he was asked about this and he admitted that he uh, told Crystal Connie that uh, he would 
basically not suggest hiring David Beatty. So this seems to be corroborated by both sides. Uh, so for projecting the future, potentially there, David Beatty could have a, a an argument or potentially a, a filing, you know, in the future that could try to sue for lost wages or for um, not right. being able to get a job after the fact, just because um, it seems like with both sides corroborating the fact that at least there were as a conversation there between Jeff Long and Crystal Connie that happened um, that talked about not hiring David Beatty because of his potential NCAA violations, that might have led to David Beatty not getting a job down the line and, and losing future income when it's been stated out there that he's right now living in Austin because he figured he was going to get a job there. So sort of interesting um, after the fact there too. So um, we'll kind of keep an eye on that as well to see if that changes things down the line. But uh, it definitely could because um, not only if you're looking at a potentially suing for the $3 million buyout or the $3 million buyout in lawyer's fees, you could uh, potentially tack on top of that some some lost wages. And that might be something that uh, a jury could at least look at for David Beatty if he were to refile his lawsuit. You called it a saga when we started. It is indeed a saga that um, that uh, we'll continue to pay attention to, and uh, until there's some sort of uh, resolution here. All right, hey Jesse, let's let's take a break, and, and when we come back, there's some other KU topics I wanted to talk to you about. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners: unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important please visit kansascity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Jesse Newell covers Kansas for the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle. Um, Jesse, on, on the basketball front, uh, the, the, um, the some scheduling news came out that the Big 12 Big East Challenge Series matchups are out and interesting. Uh, you know, Kansas played Villanova last season in in this, lost at Villanova. Kansas will play a home game uh, for the twenty twenty one season, and it is Creighton. I find it interesting for a couple of reasons. The first of which is the teams haven't met, even though they're what uh, two hundred miles, less than two hundred miles away from each other. The schools haven't met in basketball since the nineteen seventy four NCAA tournament. But also, as Gary Bedore wrote, uh, there is a Creighton player who's very familiar with Kansas basketball. In fact, Mitch Ballack was offered by KU out of Eudora High School. That that should make it interesting, shouldn't it? It should. Uh, again, I hope the games are getting played by then. I hope yeah, for sure. it's one of those early season games and uh, we're still kind of a question mark there. But uh, yeah, Mitchell Ballack's an interesting case because he's a guy that I think for Kansas, those are the ones they usually land. You know, those are the guys um, around the area. He was from Eudora, which, you know, is just a stone's throw here from Lawrence. Um, you think back in time that if there's been a top recruit in Kansas, usually Bill Self is, has gotten right in and, and taken that guy. But, you know, the other thing I, I want to – it's sort of interesting to look back at his career now. And Creighton seemed to me like a good fit for him from the start where a wide-open offense, he'd be able to take a bunch of threes. Obviously, he's had a bunch of success there, so I don't think anybody can question his decision. Um, got some playing time right away, but if you look back, Bill Self and Kansas have really changed ever since Mitch Ballack 
committed to Creighton. And they play a style now where I think Balak would really thrive. I, I think if Bill Self's offense now was what it was when Mitch Balak decided to commit somewhere, I think Balak would have been maybe a higher priority recruit for Kansas. And I think that Balak probably would have um, given a lot more thought towards committing to Kansas over Creighton. But at the time, um, you know, it's, it's hard to think about this just with how the world has changed, how basketball has changed so much in a short period of time. But Bill Self basically went from playing no four guard lineups to last year playing primarily four guard lineups and went to, okay, two bigs have to be on the floor to, man, you're looking at next year. It's like, how can they even put two bigs on the floor? Because they have so many wing type players that they got to get minutes to. So uh, I know, you know, Gary Bedore, our Gary Bedore talked to Mitch and obviously he's looking forward to that matchup. He should be, I, I just hope it takes place. And not to mention Creighton should be a great team next year. I've seen some of these preseason rankings that have them top 15, top 20. Some of them are having top 10. So that'd be a great matchup at Allen Fieldhouse if it happens. But I think like everybody else, I'm just hoping that sports come back quicker than I think. And right now uh, I, I, I just, it's such a good thing would be such a good story. I, I just hope it happens. I, I really do. Yeah. Well, while we're on the topic of, you know, hoping that sports returns sooner rather than later, KU is the, is one school in the region that I've seen. Uh, there may be more, but, but it's one that I've noticed hasn't said the president hasn't said anything about returning to class. I know Missouri president hopeful that uh, has said publicly, hopefully plans to have uh you know, classes starting in the fall. I think Nebraska, Oklahoma, a couple other schools have mentioned it, uh, but but no, no word from Kansas. Have you? Uh, do you have a sense of that? That uh, is, is 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 Kansas poised to make a, some sort of statement about what they what what might happen with fall classes? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think for right now, everybody's sort of in the same boat here, where you're kind of looking around to see what everybody else does. You're kind of waiting to see how everybody else reacts and. Um, you know, maybe better to be second on this than first. But uh, obviously, we had the announcement earlier this week of the 10% pay cuts, which yeah. um, we'll get here. To, we'll get to here in a moment. But uh, for Kansas, you know, just no indication yet. I don't think that means one thing or the other. But I, I think potentially you're talking about something that's very important, which is especially for football. You know, you, you can't have games if you don't have people on campus for classes. And so that's one of those major obstacles that has to be overcome. And as these stay-at-home orders get lifted, potentially we'll see kind of the ramifications that come because of that. And maybe some of these schools that are waiting um, can look into that and, and figure out what's best for um, the students and the health and the safety. And obviously the bottom line for the university, which, which are in line to lose a lot of money. But yeah, we haven't heard much from Kansas yet, but I don't think that's too surprising. I think uh, waiting until you have the most information is definitely a wise move, uh, especially if you're doing something as big as what these universities are going to have to do. And it occurred to me as I was rattling off the names of the schools and some other ones that I've heard where presidents have expressed um, not just hope, but but an expectation that that school will start on time. They're, they're all schools with large football stadiums, you know, larger than KU. And that's been, you know, at least in our world. Now, um, the, 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 granted, our world is, you know, we're, we're sports colored glasses here. Um, you know, we, we want to know when sports are going to return. And and it's the college football fan that it's almost like they're next, right? It's the, the season that hasn't started, but we don't know when it's going to start. Other sports, baseball, um, you know, professional soccer, basketball, hockey, they either had their sports started and interrupted or there's, there's just, you know, uh, everything's unknown. But football hasn't obviously hasn't started. And I think the 
it's the fans of those schools, the Oklahomas, the Nebraskas, and maybe some of the SEC that are, you know, that are really, you know, really want to know and, and want some answer, whether it's the right answer or not, whether it's er- too early to, you know, to should to speculate or should be speculating. At least their fans have answers, and maybe they'll end up being disappointed in the end. Nobody knows what's going to happen with with uh, campuses and football season. It's 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 a state by state thing. Is anyway, it's. You know the, the NCAA is not going to rule that college football starts. It's going to it's going to end up rolling uh, by by state, and we'll we'll just uh, yeah, we'll have to see what happens. And again, there's it's we're we're still at the, we're just at the end of April. No decision has to be made on this just yet. You mentioned it just a little while ago, uh, Kansas, the latest, add them to the list of of schools where coaches and athletic administrators are going to take a pay cut. I think Iowa State was the first place I heard of this happening. Gosh, maybe maybe three weeks ago, but but Kansas is now uh, joining the list. And what what did you say the number was? What's what's the the percentage cut by the coaches and, and Jeff Long? Yeah, it's ten percent for Jeff Long, Les Miles, and Bill Self, and they sort of packaged it along with um, KU in general. I know like Douglas Gerard, the chancellor, and a long list of other people from KU in general were taking those same pay cuts, ten percent for six months, and so KU athletics estimated that'd be a, about a half a million dollar savings. I mean. It makes sense if you do the quick math on it, which is Bill Self makes about five million, Les Miles makes about three million, Jeff Long makes about one and a half million a year. You cut that in half, which is about uh, for six months, you know. So uh, that's, and then you take ten percent of that. So it's it's pretty easy math if you say that group of three people makes ten million a year. Half of that's five million. Ten percent of that's about five hundred thousand. But it is sort of interesting times because um, you know Jeff Long was uh, publicly stated here about three weeks ago after those Iowa State cuts that. Uh, you know, while the future was uncertain, he didn't anticipate that KU's coaches would have to go through something like that. And, you know, sure enough, that's kind of the, the, the mode of these changing times, which is three weeks later, that's exactly what those guys did. And I think it gets a little bit twisted. I mean, it's, I think it's easy for people to be cynical or skeptical out there to be like, oh, well, look, the, the multimillionaires are, are out here taking 10 percent cuts. We should, shouldn't be bending over backwards and praising them. And I mean, I, I understand the sentiment to an extent, but uh, this is a voluntary thing to help out the athletic program at a time that's going to be difficult. And I can assure you, like for, for Bill Self, he doesn't want any publicity from this. He does not want this to be broadcast across the world to, to make him look like a good dot guy. But obviously this is a time where KU Athletics needs to make the budget. So um, yeah, that, that's the step that's taken now. We'll see if more steps have to be taken. I would assume that they would, they would have to be. And um, that's why football is so important because of the TV revenue, because of the fan revenue. And if that can't happen, then yeah, I'm thinking more cuts will have to be made. In other college sports financial news, um, just today, we're recording this on Wednesday, posting it on Thursday. So just for transparency, transparency's sake, um, the NCAA uh, came on board with name, image, and likeness. There's going to be an opportunity now for athletes, college sports athletes, to cash in on their name, image, and likeness. This is a, this has been a, um, uh, you know, some would say a, you know, a five-year battle. A, a, I would say it's more like a hundred-year battle when it comes to college sports, and and uh, it's just flared up at different times over the, you know, over the course of, um, of the evolution of college sports. But, but anyway, it's uh, it would take effect in the twenty-one twenty-two season, and athletes who. Uh, who have the opportunity to to make money on on their you know their name their brand 
will now have that opportunity. And schools are a lot to figure out, a lot to be determined here. But it's a it's a step. It's a big step. Uh, it, uh, maybe a game changing step in the in the history of of college sports. I'm wondering how a school like Kansas will be impacted by this. I'm wondering if they gain or lose anyone on a recruit from a recruiting standpoint because of this. I. I really, to be honest with you, my my first reaction to all of this is, you know, however many student you know, pr- prospects there were in any sport the year before name, image, and likeness, there's going to be the same number the year, the first year of name, image, and likeness. And that doesn't mean they're not going to certain schools to go to others for this. There's certainly a finite number of roster spots and so on. So, Listen, I just think it's good for student-athletes to be able to finally have this. I just don't think it's a big game-changer. Yeah, and before I uh, forget it, Blair, let me make one final point on David Beatty after this. Um, Just one thing that popped on my mind. But I agree with you on naming his likeness. Obviously, anything to have more rights for athletes and for um, college kids who, you know, to give them the same rights as other college kids out there that aren't taking sports is a is a positive step. I think for Kansas in particular, I mean, let's think about Kansas basketball. Potentially, I think it could help just because, you know, if I'm going to compare them, like, let's say, let's compare Kansas basketball to UCLA basketball. Okay. Um, UCLA, there's just a lot of stuff going on. It's beautiful weather, obviously, but the fan base is kind of finicky. Um, it's not quite that close-knit community. Whereas if I'm thinking about sponsorships for athletes, Man, last year, could Yudoka Azabuki, could he have gone to Crown Toyota and helped uh, with an autograph session and, and made a lot of money? Yes, because the, the, the fan base here is passionate and they will support those sorts of things. They will support those athletes. So I think if anything, it would help teams like Kansas. I'm thinking like Nebraska football. You know, those people really, really care about their teams. They really, really care about their athletes. And I would think potentially the opportunity there for these sorts of um, sponsorships with athletes might be greater than some of the bigger markets where these college teams can get lost a little bit. And I know people argue like, well, this can be a recruiting advantage, but let's be honest about this. I mean, <laughs> it's already a recruiting advantage. I mean, right. Alabama and football already gets all the top recruits, Kansas and basketball. They already get, I mean, if you look at the top 10 in basketball every year, how many years are, are Kansas, Kentucky, Michigan state and Duke not in the top 10? It doesn't happen very often because most of these players go to the best spots for them. And most of those places are the ones we just mentioned. So, um, yeah, is it going to help certain schools? Yes. Should it help certain schools? Probably. Is it still going to be an unfair game played by these teams? It already was an unfair game. So, yes, I think it's a good positive step to be able to have these kids have more rights and make more money off their name image likeness and and be able to be paid for uh, some of these sorts of things they weren't in the past. And uh, again, lots of details to be worked out, but this seems like a good first step. Well said, Jesse. Let's wrap it up with a final thought on David Beatty. Yeah, I just think, um, you know, both sides have something to lose here. I talked about, hey, how, okay, this most of these things get settled. That's still the case. If these things go to trial, the lawyer fees go up monumentally. So a lot of times these things get settled before that happens. But for David Bay's camp, what you have to lose? Well, the obvious part is $3 million. Um, and that's a big payday considering that uh, in the future, he'll probably just be either a position coach or a coordinator and that wouldn't make as much money. So him waiting out on this and potentially losing in front of a jury trial, uh, that's a risk. But for Kansas, there's a couple other things to kind of be wary of. Uh, number one, we reported earlier that Beatty's lawyers uh, sent out a subpoena to TJ Gasnola. That could be bad for Kansas if that testimony is out there, just because the NCAA, according to its new rules, can use any of those transcripts 
and, and could potentially use that against Kansas in any in this upcoming NCAA case that obviously is going to be on KU's radar and is a landmark case when it comes to the NCAA. So KU has hired a lot of lawyers to to try to make sure that they can cover that. And right now, everything that TJ Gasnola has said has been in a transcript. So KU has had months and months and months to prepare for that. If TJ Gasnola is in a new deposition that becomes public, that potentially could be a problem for Kansas. And like I said before, the other problem for Kansas is uh, this, this Les Miles video. Uh, if it happens in practice, if there are more violations that David Betty's lawyers find that become public, potentially they could go back and reamend the notice of allegations or have another one or have more things brought to light. And so there's a lot of danger there for Kansas's side to maybe potentially want to get this thing settled and make this go away. The NCAA case cannot go away with money. They're going to have to defend themselves. They're going to have to do the best they can. This one, it probably can go away with money. And so um, if KU uh, kind of looks at the, the big picture wise, what they want to do, they might come to a conclusion that, hey, this isn't worth the battle right here. Um, you, you settle this thing, you take care of it, and you make sure that your NCAA case does not get impacted or affected by something that happens in this David Beatty case. But I guess we'll see. Again, this has gone on longer than I thought it would, and this continues to battle on. And uh, the two sides also might be a little bit used to sports. You know, I, I said a lot of these things get settled out of court because that's how court proceedings happen. But, you know, Jeff Long and David Beatty, they might be used to a scoreboard. They're sports guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> like after 60 minutes, there's a winner and there's a loser. And a jury trial would determine a winner and a loser. I, I think potentially, though, my guess would be that cooler heads would prevail and that uh, both of these guys would come to a settlement somewhere in between. But if that doesn't happen, then Obviously, this jury trial would be of a lot of interest to a lot of people. And like I said, that would include the NCAA. And I'm not sure that uh, potentially that's something that Kansas would want with this huge, huge landmark NCAA case coming up here in the next few months. Right. I think both parties want this to go away. I just think, um, you know, the Beatty camp wants, you know, wants its payday out of this. And uh, we'll, we'll see how we'll just you know, we'll see how long Kansas uh, endures this fight because that's that's what's happening. They're 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 battling, and you're you're right. There, there's you know competitive nature here, but um, uh, but I think Kansas would be best served to have it go away, and uh, it's it's got it's got a bigger battle in front of it uh, on um, on the basketball side. All right, Jesse, thanks for taking some time today. Talk to you later. I appreciate it, Blair. Hey, before we get to the credits today, I wanted to bring your attention to something Jesse and I talked about. The staff, uh, uh, KU staff, Bill Self, Les Miles, and Jeff Long taking pay cuts. And we recorded that on Wednesday. Later Wednesday, we learned that Kansas State is doing the same thing. Let me read you from the release. Head football coach Chris Kleiman and men's basketball coach Bruce Weber have agreed to a 13% reduction while all K-State athletics employees making more than $150,000 per year will see a 10% Reduction. Those making between $100,000 and $150,000 will see their salary reduced by 5%. Combined, these salary reductions are expected to save the department approximately $1.5 million. So just wanted to get that out there. Kansas State joining the – add Kansas State to the list of, of schools that are uh, reducing salary and looking to save money in athletics. So – Without further ado, let's get to the credits. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Savannah Smith, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Links to the stories we discussed can be found in the show notes, and you can read all of the KU coverage by Jesse Newell and Gary Bedore on KansasCity.com and Kansas.com. Earlier in the episode, you heard me talk about the Sports Pass offer. Still good. 30 bucks for a year's worth of sports coverage. It's terrific. 
But here's an even better offer. Buy the entire Kansas City Star. Sports, news, features, commentary, analysis, the whole enchilada. You get all the stories written by my richly talented colleagues. The details can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. That is account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. In either case, the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're supporting local journalism and helping us deliver products like Sports Beat KC, which, of course, will be back on Friday because this is where we talk sports in Kansas City every day. <laughs>